Well, last weekend we began this series that we're calling The Best Year Ever. And um, we began by talking about the fact that if you want to have the best year ever, you begin by going all in with Jesus. You have to make the decision of who's in charge of your life. And then you have to make the decision that you're going to stop coasting and that you're going to live your life all in. And this weekend, we're going to talk about clearing the clutter. Now, I read this book years ago. It's called Clutterer's Last Stand. And if you have visited my office, you probably already know that I did not learn all of the lessons that he is trying to teach But it's uh, quite a book about clutter and about getting rid of some of the clutter in your home. And in America, we have a lot of stuff. In fact, one of the big businesses in America is storage facilities. It's where people spend a lot of money every month to store things that their kids are going to throw away when you die. That's what's going to happen. All that stuff you're paying to store, your kids are going to carry to the dumpster and throw away. But it seems important at the time. Now, my wife and I park both of our cars in the garage. We do that because we have decided that there is nothing in our world that is valuable enough to make it worthwhile for us to scrape ice and snow off of our cars. We like parking in a warm garage. Now, last night, because there was snow on the driveway and I was too lazy to get out there and clear it last night or this morning before coming to church, we actually parked on the driveway. And it convinced me again that there is nothing that we could ever own that is worth not being able to park inside that garage. And uh, by the way, that's not a new thing. When we were in Phoenix... We parked inside of our garage because there was nothing that we wanted to store that was worth letting our car bake in 110 degree heat and then trying to get into it and driving with an oven mitt so that we could hold on to the steering wheel. Yes, people actually do that in Phoenix. Now, that might sound like we don't have a lot of clutter in our house, but we do. We have a basement and closets full of way too much clutter. But in writing about this, let me quote what Uh, this book has to say. He says, a friend of mine once thought up an idea to raise our awareness of what we Americans possess, rich and poor, compared to poorer countries of the world. He talked an ordinary family in India into moving every single thing that they owned out onto the road in front of their house, after which he took a picture. It didn't take them long, but... The horrifying thought now crosses your mind. How would you or even could you do the same with all that you own? It would take weeks. You'd need a wide-angle lens. You'd have to do it house by house in each neighborhood, each on a different day, because there wouldn't be room in the road for both your and your neighbor's junk. And then would you actually have the guts to stand in front of it for a picture. We own way too much stuff. Now, here's part of the problem. Our clutter distracts us. Our clutter distracts us. I mean, 
When I sit down at my desk to do work, I might be distracted by one of the puzzle games that I have on my desk or one of the many books that seemed interesting enough to me to buy but that I haven't gotten around to reading yet. But do you know what's worse than living in a cluttered house or working in a cluttered office? It's living a cluttered life. It's living a life that is really cluttered. Many people spend their lives distracted by the clutter of their schedule, the clutter of their lives. They think about what they have to do today and they're overwhelmed by the list and they have so much to do that they can't possibly get it all done. And so they move from one urgent task to the next urgent task. And sometimes they leave some of those urgent tasks halfway finished and uh, delaying other tasks moves them up to urgent tasks. And if you're like me, you might be absolutely exhausted when you get to the end of your day, but you're also really depressed because while you were busy all day, you don't really feel like you accomplished anything of significance. And this message isn't going to be about reducing the amount of stuff that you have stacked in your basement or even about time management. Focusing on those things might help you to have a better year, but we're focused on helping you have the best year ever and especially spiritually. And so I want to talk to you today about how we can clear the clutter and keep our focus on Jesus. Here's the thing. It is hard to stay all in for Jesus when you have so many other things demanding your time and uh, becoming your priority. Satan learned a long time ago that he doesn't have to get us bad to win in our life. He just needs to get us busy. He doesn't have to get us bad in order to win in our life. He just has to get us busy. So let's spend our time today trying to clear away the clutter and clarify our responsibilities and learn to stay focused on Jesus. As we were thinking about this message, one of our pastors remembered this commercial. Let's watch it together. had two thoughts while I was watching that. One is, I hope that wasn't Diet Coke that was spilling, because that would be really sad. The other one that I thought is, those headsets didn't help Aaron Rodgers and the Packers have a winning season, did they? But maybe they were nice to some fans, I don't know. But I like how all the distractions just fell away in 
that commercial. That's what I want to have happen in my spiritual life. I want to focus on Jesus and have the lesser things just fade away. I want to let Jesus help me focus on what truly is a priority and what, uh, and then figure out what is just clutter in my life. Basically, I want to learn to focus like Benji. Now, Benji was the dog that we had for a while before we moved here. And Benji was the friendliest dog that you would ever want to meet. If you came to my house, Benji would spend his time going from person to person looking for love, making friends. I mean, he would carry his ball hoping that someone would throw it. He would jump on you rudely. He would uh, want to get you to pet him. And he would do all that until certain sounds occurred in our house, like the refrigerator door opening. Or like any food wrapper making noise. And if those things happen, suddenly Benji was a very focused creature. He was very, very focused on food. And I mean, he would keep his focus completely on food. He would stare at you. He would stare at the food. You could call him to come and he would ignore you. You could throw the ball and he would not chase it. If you petted him, he would not acknowledge you. He would literally sit there staring, hoping for food. There were times when I had to do this so that he would know there's no more food, and then he would go back to being focused on other things. And I want that to be our focus. So let's spend the rest of our time figuring out how to focus that strongly on Jesus. Let's begin by looking at Hebrews chapter 12 and a passage that talks directly about focusing on Jesus. Let me read it for you from Hebrews 12. We are surrounded by a great cloud of people whose lives tell us what faith means. So let us run the race that is before us and never give up. We should remove from our lives anything that would get in the way and the sin that so easily holds us back. Let us look only to Jesus, the one who began our faith and who makes it perfect. This passage gives us three keys for dealing with our cluttered minds and our cluttered lives. First, it tells us, don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because we're going to hit this subject in a future message. But look again at the first part of the passage. We're surrounded by a great cloud of people whose lives tell us what faith means so let us run the race that is before us and never give up. The passage and the rest of the Bible is really clear. You need other people to help you stay all in for Jesus. You need people who are cheering you on, people who are helping you never give up on your faith. Spending time with other people who are trying to follow Jesus isn't a distraction. It isn't a nice option. It is a vital priority uh, in your ability to stay focused on Jesus and to get all in with him. Being here at services and being in your growth group are not part of the clutter of your life. It is part of the survival kit that God has provided for us. 
Like I said, we will talk about that more in an upcoming message. So let's move to the second key that the passage gives us for dealing with our cluttered mind and lives. The passage says, get rid of the distractions. Get rid of the distractions. We're going to spend most of our time on this one. Look again at those verses from Hebrews 12. So let us run the race that is before us and never give up. We should remove from our lives anything that would get in the way and the sin that so easily holds us back. What is it that gets in your way? What is it that holds you back? Well, certainly it's sin. Certainly it's sinful choices that you make to ignore God's best, to ignore God's plan for your life. Certainly it's those times when you kind of push aside God's plan and have your own plan and you choose to sin in the process. But there's other things that get in the way that hold us back. It can be summed up in one word. Life. Life. We are so busy we have so many things just crying for our attention. I mean, we're supposed to work hard and be good employees, and that takes eight to ten hours uh, many days each week. And we're supposed to be good parents. So that involves several hours each day of time with our kids and attending their games and uh, their school events and just playing with them and we're told it's really important for us to read to them and so we read to them and all of those things are things that we're told being great parents means we have to make time to do and if you're married you have to be a good spouse apparently they expect us to listen when they talk I know it's kind of a weird thing isn't it but they expect us to listen and so if you're going to be a good spouse you have to do that and you can't multitask while you're doing that and so that takes time and then you want to be a good friend being a good friend means you have to schedule time to spend with your friends and to get together with them and you want to be a good child so you have to call your mom and your dad you have to take care of them and you, you have to take time to pay bills and to fix meals and to clean the house and to take care of your yard, not to mention doctor's appointments and getting the oil changed. How many of you are tired just listening to that? Yeah, me too. How many of you just thought of something you needed to add to your to-do list while we were going over that? Yeah, we just made the clutter worse, didn't we? We just made the clutter get worse. And did you notice I didn't even mention the time that we should be taking on our spiritual priorities, that's not even on the list yet. Is anyone else beginning to understand why staying focused on Jesus is a problem? Are you catching that the, how the clutter and uh, how distracted our lives are because of the clutter? And we're distracted by so many things because we have grown to love our life. We have grown to love the world that we're in and that sounds like a good thing it sounds okay until it becomes something that satan uses to distract us from god to distract us from his priorities in our life look at what jesus's friend and uh, follower john wrote in first john it says this do not love this world nor the things it offers you for when you love the world 
you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Remember what we said last week about how it's impossible to serve two masters at the same time? This passage is teaching us that it's hard to love the world and to love God at the same time. It lists things in this passage that the enemy uses to distract us, a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything that we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. Those are the three things the enemy uses. In fact, those are the things that Satan used to try to distract or tempt Jesus. Let's take some time here and let's talk about what Jesus experienced while he was being tempted or distracted by Satan. And hopefully it will help us deal with our distractions. The account begins with Jesus's baptism. Start with the end of Matthew chapter 3. Here's what it says. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water. Then heaven opened and he saw God's spirit coming down on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said... This is my son whom I love, and I am very pleased with him. Then the Spirit led Jesus into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Jesus fasted for 40 days and nights. After this, he was very hungry. Then, then the devil came to Jesus to tempt him. Now, this isn't in your notes, so if you want to write it down, but notice from Jesus' experience two truths. The first is this, distractions and temptations come often when we are at times of spiritual highs. Spiritual highs. Jesus had just been baptized. He had just seen the heavens open and God's spirit come down on him. He had heard God say, this is my son and I love him and I'm pleased with him. Now, if you decided to go all in last weekend and you felt like you really struggled this week to stay focused, well, of course that was true. Of course that was true. Distractions and temptations come at times of spiritual highs. I believe with all of my heart that when some of you made the choice last weekend to go all in with Jesus, Satan didn't like that. He knew that he was losing and he didn't like losing, so he kicked up his game. He was working harder to distract you. And he didn't try to argue with you that being all in was a bad choice. He just tried to keep you busy doing other things and thinking about other things to put other priorities on your list. You see, distractions and temptations come often at times of spiritual highs. But the second truth is this, distractions and temptations often come at times of physical lows. At times of physical lows. Jesus had gone without food for 40 days and 40 nights. Yes, over a month without food. And he had been in the wilderness all of that time. He was tired and he was hungry and he was lonely. And it was then that the devil came to tempt him. It's when we're tired. It's when we're bored. It's when we're stressed. It's 
maybe when we're not feeling well or feeling depressed that Satan chooses to distract us. He uses our spiritual highs and our physical lows as opportunities to cause us to move our focus off of Jesus and onto the distractions around us. But let's look at the temptations that Satan used against Jesus. And in the process, let's discover what distracts us. What distracts us? What Satan uses first is the things we want. The things we want. Look at Matthew chapter 4 again. Start with verse 3. Then the devil came to Jesus to tempt him saying, If you are the son of God, tell these rocks to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written in the scripture, A person lives not by bread alone, but by everything that God says. I'm sure the devil picked up a rock that looked like a loaf of bread. Maybe a couple of rocks that looked like breads. Maybe if there had been a rock shaped like a donut, he probably would have picked that up too. Or one that looked like a pizza, you know, he might have done that. But he tried to tempt Jesus with this. The temptation here is what the passage in 1 John referred to as the craving for physical pleasure or uh, some other translations call it the lust of the flesh because that's what Jesus wanted right then. He wanted food. And this can be anything that brings you pleasure or that you think would bring you pleasure. It can involve sinful things, addictions, immorality, or other sinful things. But many are distracted by things that they want that aren't sinful at all. That aren't sinful at all. Sometimes what distracts us, the pleasures that we seek, are really good things. And it distracts us from Jesus. And um, it can be taking a godly desire and making it our focus instead of focusing on Jesus. I mean, he wants our family to be a priority. The Bible is really clear that the person that doesn't take care of the needs of their family has denied the faith and is worse than somebody who doesn't believe at all. But I'm afraid some today have become so focused on their family that they push aside what Jesus wants in order to give their kids what they think they want or what they think they need. And it's a great thing to be debt-free. It really is. It's a good thing. It's a godly goal, I think. But working three jobs and never seeing your family might uh, lead that good thing to distract you from what Jesus really wants in your life. And it's great to take vacations and time away. God wants us to rest, but if we overdo it and do it too often, we, uh, we allow it to cause us to put God on hold. And when that happens, we can enjoy the pleasure of rest, but it has become a distraction. It's become a distraction. You see, the things we want, the things that we enjoy can be used by Satan to distract us. Secondly, the passage talks about the things we achieve can distract us. The things we achieve can distract us. Look at uh, chapter 4 of Matthew again. Then the devil led Jesus to the holy city of Jerusalem and put him on a high place of the temple. The devil said, if you are the son of God, jump down 
because it's written in the scripture, he has put his angels in charge of you. They will catch you in their hands so that you will not hit your foot on a rock. Jesus answered him. It also says in the scripture, do not test the Lord your God. Now, Satan takes Jesus to the highest place in the temple, a place that is easy to see from much of the city of Jerusalem. And if you go with us to Israel in November, I will point out that place to you. But he takes him to this highest place of the temple, this place seen by all of Jerusalem, and he tries to tempt him. He tries to tempt Jesus. Here's the amazing thing. Satan uses scripture to try to get Jesus to do the wrong thing. He quotes a passage from Psalm 91 about how God will protect the Messiah, and he uses that to try to get Jesus to jump. He says, Jesus, go ahead and jump because the Bible says that God's angels will protect you. They won't even let you stub your toe. And Satan is appealing to Jesus' pride. He is kind of saying, prove that you are who God says you are. Prove that God will protect you. He is daring Jesus to show off, to be public about how God is going to protect him, to be, make a spectacle out of his relationship with God. It's the temptation that that passage in 1 John talks about when it says the world offers pride in our achievements and our possessions. This is a huge source of distraction for people in America. It has to do with keeping up the right image, maintaining an image. We want people to think well of us. We want people to think that we have our act together. We want to succeed at work so that people think that we are smarter than we are or that um, we uh, are more needed than what we really are. And we buy certain things so that we can keep up the image that we're doing okay financially, and we even pretend sometimes to be more spiritual than we are so that people can think that we're awesome Christians. It's an amazing thing. And we crave attention. We crave the approval of people because we want to be noticed. We want to be important. We want to be liked. And Often what tempts us, what distracts us away from staying focused on Jesus is just pride. It's pride in our achievements, pride in our possessions. And the last thing that distracts us from focusing on Jesus are the things we see. The things we see. Let's go on with the passage about Jesus' temptations. Then the devil led Jesus to the top of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor. The devil said, if you will bow down and worship me, I will give you all these things. Jesus said to the devil, go away from me, Satan. It is written in the scripture, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Now, this one's similar to the first one, but Satan says, Jesus, look around. Look at all the kingdoms of the world. Look at all of the good things all of these kingdoms have. Look at all of their riches. I will give you everything you see. I'll give you everything you see. All you have to do is give me your loyalty. 
Give me your attention. If you will focus on me rather than God, you can have it all. That's a lie that Satan is still using. He's saying, if, if you'll just focus on me, you can have it all. You can have it all. If you just work a little harder, push aside Jesus for a time, you can figure out how to afford that house you want, that car that you crave. If you just compromise your morals and do things that Jesus is telling you not to do, you can win that good-looking person that you want to date. This passage, or this part is what the passage in 1 John uh, is calling the craving for everything we see, or in other translations, the lust of the eyes. It has become far too common for us to just look around and want things. Have, have you noticed that now we can become discontent with just a glance? We can become dissatisfied with just a glance. You're driving down the road and you just glance and you see that car next to you and suddenly the car that you're driving is just a bucket of bolts. It's horrible. And you need a new car. You need that car. Have you noticed that? Or you glance at that person at work and suddenly our spouse isn't enough. We have to have something else. Or we glance down at a screen in front of us and with a few swipes we block out everything else and we think that we can have everything that we see on that screen. And we think that if we're really good, if we're really clever, we can have it all. We can have everything that we see. And the craving for what we see often deceives us into just believing that what we have isn't enough and that we can have everything else. And so we get totally distracted because that's exactly what Satan wants. He wants to clutter our life. He wants to distract us with other things. He wants us to believe that all of these things are important, that they're worth focusing on, that they're worth chasing after, that they're worth pursuing. And while we're pursuing everything, we lose focus on the main thing. We move our focus to the things that we want and the things that we see and the things that we're proud of. And suddenly Jesus isn't even on the radar anymore. He's no longer a priority anymore. So what's the solution? How do we get rid of the distractions? Well, we work hard to stay close to Jesus, to stay focused on him. Look back at that passage from Hebrews chapter 12. After we get rid of the things that hold us back, after we get rid of the sin that entangles us, here's what it says. Let us look only to Jesus, the one who began our faith and who makes it perfect. We need to look only to Jesus. When we seek him first, when we keep our eyes only on him and completely on him, he will put everything else in our life in proper perspective. 
We don't push aside our family or our work. We just value them the way that Jesus values them and the way that Jesus teaches us to value them. No one who truly put their focus on Jesus ever became a worse parent. They became a better parent because they were becoming more like Jesus and they were following him more fully. And no one who truly puts their focus on Jesus becomes a bad employee because they work their job, as scripture says, as if they're working for God and not for their boss. And focusing on Jesus can give me contentment. It can help me to choose my priorities well. And I figure out some of the things that I've been counting as important really aren't important at all and I have peace because I have the heart of Christ and the mind of Christ and the priorities of Christ when I stay focused on him and it's not that easy to do we lose focus every day I lose focus but when our focus is on Jesus we get it right the clutter goes away And the priorities rise to the top. So how do we do this? Let's spend our remaining time looking at five habits for staying focused. Five habits that you can build into your life that will help you stay focused. The first is spend time with him daily. Spend time with him daily. We all need to find time each day to spend some time with Jesus. And yes, it's great if you can set your alarm a half an hour early and get up and go to some quiet place in your house and do that. If that's your personality, do that. That's great. But you know my primary prayer time is while I'm driving. I I turn off the radio and I start praying. Now, I don't close my eyes when I'm praying in the car, okay? I I don't do that, but I just turn off the radio and I talk to Jesus for a while and that's my primary prayer time. And if for you it works before you go to bed at night or right when you wake up, that's great, but talk to him and listen to him. And reading the Bible, even just a few verses gives God an opportunity to speak into your life and uh, you can use our SOAP plan. SOAP stands for scripture, observation, uh, application, and prayer. And uh, there are guides that look like this available in the rack in the lobby, and you can pick one up. Or if you want one, all you have to do is write on your connection card, SOAP plan, and our office staff will be glad to mail you one. And so you can use that as a way to connect with God and uh, spend some time with him each day. The second habit is this, Give him instant replace. Give him instant replace. You know, part of the problem with sin is when we choose to sin, we give God, or we give Satan instant replace. You know what I'm talking about. You looked at that website that you shouldn't have looked at, and then at communion time, you're trying to focus on Jesus and what pops into your mind. That. Or a joke that you probably shouldn't have laughed at. Or, you know, you've given Satan a chance to distract you with that. So why not give God instant replays in your life? Did you notice that every time Satan tempted Jesus, that Jesus quoted Scripture? They quoted a verse of Scripture. And how did he do that? Was he there going through the scrolls trying to find the right Scripture? I don't think so. You know what I think? It was memorized. He had memorized Scripture 
And when you are struggling with something in your life, all you need to do is find some scripture about it and memorize a couple of scriptures about it. When you uh, are uh, becoming angry, when Satan's trying to distract you with anger and a scripture that you've memorized about anger pops into your head, you've given God an instant replay. When you're beginning to be fearful and a scripture about fear pops into your mind, you've given God an instant replay, a chance to uh, chase that distraction out of your life. And some of you are sitting there going, well, that'd be good, except I can't memorize. Yes, you can. You're lying if you say you can't memorize. You know how I know? Because you've memorized your passwords for a whole bunch of sites online, haven't you? And you've memorized lyrics to songs that nobody has sung for the last 20 years, but you could still come up with them. You can memorize. You're just memorizing the wrong things. Memorize some scriptures and give God instant replays. The next uh, habit is this. Spend time with his people weekly. Spend time with his people weekly. As the Hebrew passage says, we need to surround ourselves with a crowd of people who will help us succeed. We need to surround ourselves with a crowd of people who will help us succeed. That's why being in weekend services uh, is important and better than listening online. That's why it's important for you to get into a growth group or a ministry group. You need people to do life with you and to encourage you and to walk this path with you as you move towards Jesus. The next habit that will help you stay focused on Jesus is move forward intentionally. Intentionally. We talk quite a bit here about identifying your next step. And each of us has a next step. Whether you're just beginning your journey with Jesus or whether you have been a Christ follower for 50 years, there is a step that God wants you to take in spiritual growth and that will help you to focus on him fully and to follow him fully. You need to figure out what that step is and then you need to intentionally be working on that step it might be getting into a group or beginning to serve and it might be using Jesus's strength to overcome that sin habit and it might be fixing a relationship and it might be ending some friendships that are pulling you further and further away from Jesus it might be being used by Jesus to talk to someone who's hurting someone who needs his help and his hope What's your next step? And once you know what it is, move forward intentionally with a plan. Do it on purpose. The last habit for staying focused is don't quit. Don't quit. I want that habit of not quitting to be apparent in my life. I don't want to be known as a quitter. I don't want anybody to think I'm a quitter. I I don't want to quit working on my sin. I don't want to quit working on my next step. I don't want to quit pushing aside distractions and clutter in my life so that I can stay focused on Jesus. I don't want to quit in any way. And you know what I think? I think many people quit too soon. I think they quit too soon. I think they quit on marriages that God wants to help them heal. And I think they quit on churches when God wants them to stay and work through their feelings and 
their disagreements. They quit trying to overcome addictions that God is ready to help them end. People quit way too soon. And I think some of you may have come here today ready to quit. I mean, you really meant it last week when you told Jesus that you would be all in for him, but you're discouraged because this week didn't go as well as you had hoped it would. And you have, may, maybe you've decided it's just not worth it. Maybe you've decided that you just don't have it in you. Maybe you've decided you've tried so many times it's just not going to work. But can I tell you, don't quit. What do you do when you feel that way? Well, look at this passage from Proverbs chapter 24. It might be a good one to memorize. Here's what it says. Good people might fall again and again, but they always get up. It is the wicked who are defeated by their troubles. Good people fall again and again, but they always get up. That's the difference between being a good person and being an evil person, according to the passage. A wicked person is defeated by their troubles, but good people get up again and again, so don't quit. Don't let Satan's attempt to distract you work. Don't let him succeed. Clear away the clutter and focus completely on Jesus. Focus completely on him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, even now, as we've talked about getting rid of the distractions and clearing the clutter in our life, there are people in this room that are distracted. They're distracted by their schedule. They're distracted by the things they want and the things that they see and the things they're proud of. Father, I pray that you will help each of us push aside the distractions and focus completely on Jesus. Father, help us Help us to allow your strength to determine our priorities and our focus. Help us, Father, to push aside the things that don't matter and won't matter, the things that we think we want and need that are just leading us in a wrong direction. And Father, thank you so much that every time we return our focus to you, that you are there cheering us on, encouraging us, helping us to succeed for you. And so, Father, we commit ourselves again to focusing on Jesus and following him fully. In Jesus' name, amen.